Giving Credit is a podcast giving those making a difference their credit. On a weekly basis, we'll be interviewing parents, tech CEOs, financial experts, kid entrepreneurs, and others to learn about credit, education, financial literacy, and building wealth equity. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Giving Credit, the podcast from Kitty Credit, the app that teaches kids and families about financial literacy. I'm Annika Jackson, and I'm here with a dynamic duo day. And women, I would love for you to introduce yourselves, Anne-Marie and Sabrina, and talk about who you are and what your roles are in the world of finance. Okay. Uh, my name is Anne-Marie Anderson, and I'm a financial strategist. I have uh, over 25 years experience with accounting background. I'm very committed to just uh, educating people on financial literacy um, across the country. Um, my, Of course, I want to educate everybody, but near and dear to my heart is the African-American community or the Brown community um, as far as educating them in financial literacy. Um, because I feel like we have been left behind in this area a lot. And so I feel like I want to be more of an advocate in our community. I recently partnered with a company called PHP Agency, which is actually one of the fastest uh, growing financial marketing organizations in the U.S. And that platform allows me to have, you know, more um, uh, more options um, and more tools that I can help to educate more people on how money works and help them to be able to use um, products like life insurance and different kinds of products like that um, in order to create generational wealth for their families. So um, I'm currently in Southern California, but I help train and educate people all over uh, the US. Um, I'm a mom, entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, best-selling author, and I'm just committed to changing mindsets and lives and legacies. So mm. that's a little bit about me. I love that. Thank you. Sabrina. <laughs> My name is Sabrina. I am also in Southern California, born and raised. I have partnered with PHP as well, but most recently I've become an author and decided to tackle educating uh, parents on how they can better equip their children with the skills needed to be able to set up their financial future and learn how to save. I've been working with families and children for over 15 years, and I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Three moms on the show today. So give it up. Uh, and I, I think there are so many things we can talk about here. Um, because, you know, I from my family, my mom came over here as an immigrant to go to college. And so the way that they deal with money and the way that she was raised in Thailand is different than the curriculum and the things that we're supposed to be taught over here, or even knowing what, how to use credit over here versus another country. But I think even to your point, Anne-Marie, in different, you know, depending on socioeconomic or what part of the country you live in or what your schools teach or what how you grew up learning about finance and credit, that also has a big part to play in equity in the United States and Absolutely. what people have access to. So before we get into that a little more, what what was your first experience or what was your childhood like growing up? Did your parents talk about money? Were they was credit a bad word, a good word? Um, or was it like with me, my parents didn't really talk about it. And then I went to college and ruined my credit with credit cards. <laughs> I, I think we probably all have that kind of experience. And I am uh, relate to you a lot 
Annika in the way that um, my mom actually came over here as well. Um, she's also, we're also immigrants too, we're from the Caribbean. Um, so my mom came over um, to America, to Hawaii actually, and mm. went to school there. Um, and so that's how we, we got here. Um, and of course, like coming from uh, a, a third world country, you know, pretty much, um, they don't really do credit like that. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and the socioeconomic status is a little bit different. Um, but I would say that my first experience really with credit, I think a lot like you is going to college and ruining my credit. Like, um, you know, when I was younger, like my mom didn't really, we did everything was pretty much cash, everything. Like if we couldn't pay for it with cash, we weren't doing it. That's, that's really how we were raised. Um, and so my mom was not well-versed on, on credit. Um, when I was about 18, she married um, my stepfather who, you know, taught me a lot about what I know about credit and finances now, because he was very meticulous on how he did mm -hmm. everything. Um, and so um, he did try to teach me a little bit before I started college, but by then, you know, you think you know it all and you're getting all these offers and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, probably our first thing is like the student loan debts, like you're oh, just yeah. signing away. You don't have no idea that you're gonna be paying for almost the rest of your life and what kind of interest rates that you're getting uh, because you're just so happy to be able to get that money to go to school. So that was probably my first experience. Um, and then just getting offers. And, you know, I, I think I, my first credit card was like a jewelry store credit card, like Daniel's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I got like a JCPenney credit card because I was working at JCPenney. And so it was like wanted, you know, all the latest styles and all that. It was like, okay, I just put it on my credit card, maxed it out, of course. <laughs> Same thing with Daniel's. And then I was like, oh, the payment's not that bad. And you know, so I'm making minimum payments, not realizing that I'm not even making a dent in, <laughs> in the balance, right? And that it was just, you know, all that was just still racking up interest. And so just that was my experience, just trial and error, you know, just, just doing it and ruining it and then figuring mm. out the right way to do it. <laughs> wow. Sabrina, what about yourself? For me, I I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. What, what about yourself? I would say for me growing up, we didn't talk about credit a lot at all. It wasn't until um, like you ladies were referring to when I started college. Basically, my mom just put the fear of God into me. Like, don't ruin your credit. Like, don't apply for any credit cards. Don't do anything with your credit. And like Emory said, you know, with the financial aid and the grants and the loans and everything that they throw at you when you first start school and you're wanting to succeed and you need the finances to be able to excel, you do start signing your life away without the education first. And in addition to that, my first credit card also was Daniel's. <laughs> but as a <laughs> just throw that out there. <laughs> so but as a teen parent, I had to learn really early how to strategize and really um, stretch my dollars and, and figure it out. So fortunately, I didn't have that experience of ruining it and having to fix it later on. I just kind of kept going and really um, focused on what was best for, you know, my, my son and I at that time. Yeah. Wow. So you had a whole other layer to think about. Right. Beyond just the typical going to college, going to spend this money. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So what inspired you both to advocate for others? in the area of finance and to kind of take this on as your life's purpose? Um, 
I would say for me, like I have like I have adult children. So um two of them just graduated college, another one is in in college. And um I just I didn't want them to see them go down the same path. So I started educating my kids at a very early age about credit and financing and budgeting and things like that. Um, but we, you know, we still also went through a lot of the financial aid situation once when, when they started college. Um, because, you know, um, you know how the system is set up. It's like if you make a lot of money, you just pay for college outright, right? And if you're like the middle class, you're you probably you're gonna pay a lot for your kids to go to school. Um, you know, outside of the grants and financial aid and stuff. And so I was just like, just for, for me, it just became a thing of where, you know, I want to educate myself more. I want to educate my, you know, my kids. Um, and then I realized that there's so many more, you know, just knowing my, that my kids' roommates and other, you know, college students and so forth and the things that they were going through. Um, I just knew that they they weren't educated in that area. And I just thought like, how, how powerful would it be if we could teach people at a very early age about all this stuff so that nobody could take advantage of them in this area? Yeah. Um, and they can be, you know, they, they can have more um, financial literacy. They know what they're signing when they sign them um, for mm. student loans or when they when they sign up for a credit card. They, they know what that that type of responsibility is and how, you know, how to to treat credit responsibly and stuff like that. There's just so many people that don't get that that education, just like what you know Sabrina was saying, like she didn't get that. Um, and I think that that's a story for a lot of us, unless you're like you know the ten percenters, um, you know, in America. Like I, I would say that most people are in that boat. So for me, I was like, I'm I'm a big advocate. Like when I learn something, I want to pass it on to somebody else. And so for me, that's what it was. It's like as I'm learning, like I'm like I know there's so many other people that need it. So yeah. I wanted to you know be an advocate. Nice. Beautiful. For me, I think knowledge is, is power. So, I mean, you only know what you know. And we did the best that we could with the information that we had. So to be able to be an advocate for others and educate them on areas that I didn't necessarily have those same type of resources or information on, to me, I think is really um, inspiring, you know, that's information that will continue to grow and continue to pass from generation to generation. And once you have it, no one can take it from you. But if you don't have it, then, yeah. you know, you can only work with what's in front of you. Exactly. So to be a part of an industry that's, that's lifelong from young until, you know, adulthood will continue to be able to hone on this skill set of learning more about our finances and how we can be better. So why not pass it on to others? Yeah, absolutely. And Sabrina, what's the name of your book? And what are some of the tips that you have in there that parents can use? Sure. So the name of my book is A Dollar a Day Makes a Millionaire Someday. So here's the cover here. Cute. (laughs) It can be found on Amazon um, under Sabrina Williams in the search bar. And I have tips in the back of the book for parents to be able to share with their children things like being able to discuss the difference between what a want and a need is. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that we want versus the things that we actually really need? And being able to identify those two and how it plays a part in our finances and what we do with our money, giving them opportunities to be able to earn their own money. 
and make a conscious decision on uh, smart ways to use their money, setting savings goals, setting up accounts, because mm. that could be done, you know, at your local bank, um, setting them up for an account, having them track their spending. A lot of times, as a, even as adults, we don't track our spending. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, especially, you know, you put it on this card, you put it on that card or debit or Venmo or. You're not, you're not tracking. So being able to set up skills like, okay, when I do get birthday money, Mm -hmm. Christmas money, graduation money, I'm going to put this much aside. Then I'll go buy my games or toys or whatever the case may be. Like starting that, that concept and that skill set young. Yeah. Or just a few. Yeah. And are those some of the things that you had to kind of teach yourself? Exactly. As you're starting your journey as a mother and going, right. okay, what, what do I, what do I wish that I knew or what can I teach my child and then right. to help teach others? Yeah. And Anne-Marie, what other tips would you add that you use with your children? So I, I completely agree with everything Sabrina said. Um, I would also add um, it's a, a mindset. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't know, like, if you guys heard some of these same things growing up, like I did, like money doesn't grow on trees. And <laughs> what do you think? I have a money tree in the backyard or, you know, stuff like that. That's very negative, has a negative connotation. And so I think that um, uh, one, one major point is to making sure that you have the right um, relationship with money and finances um, mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so not having, not thinking like, oh, I could never have this. Yes, I think it's great that you know what your wants and needs are, just like you know what Sabrina covered. But also know that you like having a mindset of being of unlimited thinking as well. Um, I think is important as you teach teach children how to manage money and how to um, be in a you know how to to use it as a tool and and not get succumb to you know some of the the negative that comes with it. Also. One of the things I taught my kids early on is about um, giving. So like they would give for like for tithe, like so because we're, you know, we're believers. Um, so everything that they got, 10 percent of that was going to tithe. So that was like off the top, no matter what. So that was one of the things, because I think giving also is like, you know, if you believe in the law of attraction and things yeah. like that, as far as the universe goes, when we give, we receive. Right. But a lot of times people think if you give then you won't have enough. But um so that was one of the things that I always taught my kids is you, you have to give that 10%, but then also saving, like there's, they had to save another 10%. So I feel like if you can teach somebody like how to manage a dollar, if, if, if they can't, if they can't learn how to manage $1, then they can't learn how to manage larger sums of money. So starting with a dollar, what do you, how do you, how do you save from that dollar? How do you give from that dollar? What do you use towards what you need? Like Sabrina talked about and so mm-hmm. forth. So those are some of the tips that I, I use it with my kids. Nice. Just going back to the uh, money doesn't grow on, on trees because that's definitely was something that, you know, <laughs> we heard over and over and over and over again. And it's like, in the grand scheme of things, as an adult, when you look back on it now, it's like, did we even really know what that meant? Like, <laughs> right. Okay, right. Money doesn't grow on trees. Like, okay. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it was kind of like, like money doesn't grow on trees. I know that. But <laughs> right? like, it didn't really have a substance to it or, con- you know, context to it as a child versus when you introduce different tools that are on their level, you're meeting them where they're at to be able to still educate them and create that learning curve to 
sustain the skill sets that we need going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think you both have mentioned so many important things, thinking about what's the difference between um, a, a want and a need and thinking about tithing, giving back, saving. I know because I didn't have those money conversations or that, you know, I didn't learn all this stuff, but I knew I wanted to work. So I was babysitting young, I was doing whatever jobs, but I didn't think about saving any of that money or donating it. I only thought about, okay, this is my spending money so I can go have a great weekend or I can buy that thing that I wanted to buy. But instilling those other values as well of, or like saving a dollar a day, you know, Mm -hmm. how can we institute those small things that become big habits later on down the road? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of times, you know, as we, you know, as children, as we grow up, we adapt our parents or whoever the adults are in our life, how, like, what their relationship was like with money, how they saved, how they didn't save, how they spent, stuff like that. And we we grew up with certain habits. And so a lot of times we have to unlearn those things mm-hmm. um, because you you have two kinds of habits, right? You have habits of what you do and you have habits of what you don't do. So mm-hmm. in, in whichever ones you focus on, that's what's going to get, you know, that's what's going to take over. That's what's, you know, going to be the, um, you know, that, that one's going to take over everything else and control what we do. So- um, I think just being mindful of what, what um, I, uh, I don't know if you guys have read the book, The Secrets to a Millionaire Mind. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't read that book, a great book, great tool we'll about, to, we're both writing about, that down right now. <laughs> <laughs> great tool about what your millionaire blueprint or what your money blueprint is, excuse me. Um, and so a lot of times we don't know what our money blueprint is until we actually start being intentional, thinking about some of the things we learned as children, some of the habits that we picked up, some of the, the own, our own things that we've developed and so forth. And, and basically to not, I know brainwashing sounds like a bad, bad term, but in this case, you do need to be brainwashed <laughs> because you need to be retrained on, on how to have a proper relationship with, with, you know, money and things like that. So yeah, well, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what both of you are doing right now and how you're advocating for families, particularly brown and black families, to learn how to use tools, like you said, life insurance, other tools that are out there. And I've seen recently a bigger influx of I mean, Green Bank, Ready Life. There are all these different platforms now that are black banked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Ready Life is one where you use the debit, you get the debit card, you use that debit card to pay your bills in six months, you're eligible for a mortgage, no matter what your credit score is. Mm-hmm. So do you think these tools are, I, I think in some ways they're more helpful, but I think there's also so many things, it's hard to figure out like, what are the best strategies if you're trying to shift that narrative, break that cycle and create generational wealth? So with all the things that are out there, where do you start when you're working with somebody as a new client? For me, honestly, and I wish I would have known this um, years ago, um, because I think we're trained, we're trained backwards on how we think about how to uh, be financially responsible and how to put our set ourselves up financially. Where you know we're trained go to school, get a good job with a four hundred one k, and then you know buy a house. And then if you have anything left over after that, then you can talk about investing and saving and things like that. So it's really a backwards mentality of how we do it, because it, it should be really that you, you first learn how to save, <laughs> <laughs> learn how to invest and so forth. And then later on, 
you know, you can get into like real estate and buying a house and things like that. So the first thing that I do when I sit down with somebody um, is I, you know, want to look at, you know, what their goals are, what do do they want to accomplish? And then we can put a strategy together that makes sense. And typically I will help them to get some type of uh, life insurance so that they, that has a um, savings aspect to it so they can start growing their money in that. And then, you know, then they can talk about later on, like if, you know, if they've already got a house, like we've already started backwards. So we, we got to, you know what I mean? We just make it do, but if they haven't, then that's something that you can plan for. So that by the time you get to that point, you're not in a situation where we find a lot of people where I found myself after my second home, when I bought a home, when we had the market crash the first time where I lost my home because I just was not financially prepared, um, for that. Um, and so just making sure that people are, uh, financially sound before they, they take on that type of responsibility and making sure that in the event something happens to them, because a lot of times, you know, we think we're going to live forever, but we're not going to live forever. Right. Um, you know, in case something happens to them, you know, that there's money there to pay off that house, that their family is not going to be in debt trying to pay off that house or depleting their savings. Um, because somebody's left here to take care of those things when they pass on, you know? So just, you know, um, those are some of the things that I, I really try to get people to, um, you know, see the value in mm-hmm. and um, set up a strategy that makes sense that, to help them to be more financially sound. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question before, before Sabrina answers. Um, when you're talking about, I think that's so valid because people get really scared sometimes thinking about life insurance. And, okay, well, I'm just going to pay into this account and it's never going to do anything. And then, you know, um, so, but reframing them to think about this is actually something you're leaving as a legacy to mm-hmm. help your family so that if something happens, they're not left figuring out, are going to get kicked out of their house? Do mm-hmm. they have enough money to pay for health insurance? Do they have enough money to pay for school or education or whatever the other expenses are? Um, and you said that there are some life insurance policies that also come with the savings. Yeah, there's a so the one in particular that I'm thinking about is it's we call it a LERP. It's a life insurance retirement plan. And what it does. So there, there are several parts to it. Number one is like the death benefits. So somebody passes away a portion, you know, that is going to pay out to their, their beneficiary or their family. There is also a portion that has um, a cash value where they, they can grow money in that account mm-hmm. and they're growing it at. at pretty high percentage. So not like your standard, you know, that you get at the bank, maybe 1%, maybe 2%, right? They're growing like 7% up to like 14, 15% and so on. And think of, so this is, this is what is really fascinating about that to me. So think about if you have young children and you start a plan like that for them when they're kids, like how much money they're able to have that they can grow in an account like that, that they have access to tax-free. Um, that they can use to pay for school, their tuition. You don't have to go into debt. You 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 almost become your own banker, right? Wow. Um, you become your own ATM because you have access to that money that you can pull out. It's not money you have to pay back because it's your money, money you've put in there and then it's grown. So mm-hmm. imagine the magnitude if you start that when you have a young child, how much, how much money that grows. And and what's great about those accounts too is that you're um you can overfund them. So let's just say let's just say you're putting in a hundred dollars a month. Um, and part of that is going to pay, um, the life insurance portion and part of it is going to savings. 
let, let's say you come into like, you know, maybe you get a tax refund or you get in some extra money and you want to dump it in that account. You, you can't. So you can overfund it at any time. And it it's just that it grows that much more for you. So so that that's the type of account I was okay. referring to. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know about that. I, had, I wrote that down too. <laughs> I, I, I'm learning so much. So what about yourself? When you're starting working with somebody, what are some of the first things that you ask them or the first steps you take? In addition to what Emery uh, reviewed, I would say if it was someone, for example, that wanted to tackle debt, mm -hmm. I would introduce like a snowball effect where that person would itemize all of their debts and start tackling the lowest debt first. Mm -hmm. Then once that lowest debt is taken care of, then taking that money and dumping it into the second, you know, lowest and so on and so forth. So that the person doesn't feel so overwhelmed because, you know, if we're trying to tackle eating a whole pie, we're going to eat it one bite at a time. Yeah. So that's just something that I like to introduce to people when I'm working with them on their finances. Yeah. And is there a minimum um, amount of money somebody has to have to come to you for consulting? Is that for me or Sabrina? But, uh, both, both oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, you know, what I do is help people put a strategy together. So we just work with what you have, figure out where we can help you save, help you pay down your debt, just like uh, Sabrina mentioned. And because the more debt that you pay down, the more free it frees up um, that you can put someplace else that you can have working for you. Because I feel like the goal for all of us should be to get to a point where we have our money working for us um, instead of that we're just, you know, working to just pay the bills and get money coming in, you know. Um, and so, you know, like Sabrina said, like paying down that debt, um, definitely, you know, that's a good tool because that helps you to free up money to do other thing else, other things. So no, there is no, there is no minimum. Okay. Nice. Okay. So if you could give yourself past advice, if you give your past self advice on credit and finance, what would you say to yourself? And Sabrina, we'll start with you. I would say that credit doesn't have to be horrible. <laughs> you know, I was taught that, <laughs> you know, I, I, I put the fear of God in me about getting a credit card. It doesn't have to be horrible. You just have to be disciplined. It has to be something that you're able to manage and it, it makes sense for you. Mm -hmm. um, of course, cash is great, but you want to still build your credit as well. But if you're able to do it in a way that makes sense, that's going to benefit you um, in the long run, that's going to be key. Because at the end of the day, your credit score, it's like your financial grade. Mm -hmm. So instead of an A, B, C, it's 600, 700, 800. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you protect that and you're not work, you're working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. <laughs> um, I would also say... <laughs> Um, don't max out your credit cards <laughs> and make only minimum payments because your credit grade will definitely go down because of that. Um, another thing that I would say as far as credit advice goes, I would say, um, cause I, I think that a lot of times we've been trained to focus on the credit score. Mm -hmm. I would say don't focus on the score as much as you focus on the steps that it takes to treat your credit well. Um, and what I mean by that is, let's just say like, let's say you're trying to lose weight 
right? Um, and you go to the gym, you eat well and, and whatever. If you always focus on what the scale says versus on getting into the gym three or four mm -hmm. times a week or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, drinking enough water, eating the right meals, all of like all the steps that it takes, eventually you're going to reach your goal, right? So stop focusing so much on the score as much as focusing on the steps. Um, and, you know, treat your credit well, just like uh, Sabrina said. Um, and remember that the, your, your credit is important because I think credit gives you a, a couple of different things. It gives you buying power. It frees up your cash and your liquid assets. Um, and it also gives you opportunities that you may not ordinarily have because, you know, you may not have like if there's an investment opportunity that comes up or whatever. Most people don't have a million dollars lying around or whatever it takes for that. Right. You hear about a lot of celebrities where they're like, oh, I just bought this car cash or I bought this estate cash. And, and I'm like, that's the dumbest thing you could have ever done. Like, because I'm sorry, but the reason why I say that is because now you've tied up all of your liquid, mm. your liquid assets and your cash, whereas you could have bought it on credit as you know, if you know how to treat your credit well. Now you have cash that you can have for other opportunities. So you, now you're not limited. You have more opportunities because you haven't used up all of your cash or all of your liquid. Of course, you can't do that if your credit is bad. So that's why you have to treat your credit well and know that credit is important. It's not just about having cash. You got to have both. So. And the lower interest rate. Right. Hmm. Absolutely. And if you were given $100,000 tax free right now, what would you do with that money? I'm putting it into my LERP account <laughs> and growing more cash in, nice. in my life insurance. Absolutely. That's what I'm doing with it. Same. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's funny when I ask this question, some people are like, well, from in my business, that's not a lot of money, but I would do this with it. Or some people are like, yes, that's a lot of money. And I would do this or this or this. So I always love hearing, and you, I will say you are very consistent, and I'm going to have to look into this LERP idea. <laughs> awesome. And what are um, some last words that you'd like to leave our audience with? And of course, in the show notes, I want to link to your website, your book, you know, everything else so that people can find you, follow you on socials, and learn more great tips. Um, parting advice, I would just say, Ed, get educated on finances. Um, get somebody in your life that you know that can teach you about it that you know is uh, responsible. And if not, then find somebody. Um, that that's what I would say. I would also say, get life insurance. That's how you pass on generational wealth. Um, that's a, that's another piece of advice that I would I would give. And get into a habit of like I mentioned earlier, learn how to manage a dollar so you can manage more. Um, because, you know, there's the different aspects of saving, giving, you know, even having your, your play money where, you know, you can do your wants or whatever, but, um, having like having, um, developing habits that, um, allow you to be, uh, responsible, mm -hmm. um, with, uh, your income. So those would be, those would be some of the, the things that I would say. I say. When it comes to breaking generational curses, because we hear that a lot. And I feel like the best way to break a generational curse is with knowledge. Mm -hmm. And knowledge is, is power. If we, you know, 
feed someone a fish, they'll eat for a day. But if we teach them how to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. So just having that concept when it comes to finances as well and educating our children so that that information continues to pass on from generation to generation is the true generation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I would take it just one step further about what Sabrina said about knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, but it's also what you do with the knowledge. Because some people have the knowledge and they don't do anything with it. So I would say take it a step for, further and actually implement that, what you're learning. Um, so absolutely. Wonderful. And what is the best way for people to reach out to learn more about both of you, working with you, buying your books? Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, so go ahead, Sabrina. A dollar a day makes a millionaire someday. It can be find, found on Amazon. You can either type in the title in the search bar or type in my name, Sabrina Williams. To reach me, you can contact me via email at sabrinawilliamsbooks at gmail.com. Awesome. Okay. So I, I have a few social media handles, but for... Um, Instagram, it would be Vinci, V-I-N-C-Y underscore beauty underscore A-M-A. On Instagram, you can reach me on email at annemarieA.php at gmail.com. And then on LinkedIn, just my name, Annemarie Anderson. Um, On Facebook, Annemarie Jack Anderson. Mm -hmm. My maiden name's in there. Um, So those are uh, some of the ways that you can contact me. Great. Well, thank you both. I really enjoyed our conversation today, um, how real you were and just really good advice that is very different, honestly, than what we've heard on other episodes of this podcast. So I'm very excited to share this with the audience and to our audience. Thank you for coming back for another week of giving credit. Look at the Kitty Credit app and the there will be some big announcements about some of the programming that Kitty Credit is about to roll out for teenagers, potentially even debit cards and other kinds of cards in the future. So go to kittycredit.com to find out more. And Anne-Marie and Sabrina, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for so much for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. This podcast has been brought to you by Kitty Credit, a mobile app designed to educate children on the credit system by completing chores. Now available in the App Store and on Google Play. For more information, go to kittycredit.com. K-I-D-D-I-E-K-R-E-D-I-T.com.